Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today on the show, actor, comedian, and director, Dave Foley. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Welcome, everyone, to another very exciting episode of Somewhere in the Skies. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but for the very first time, on the show exclusively we have with us today dave foley dave how you doing my man i'm very well thank you thank you for having me on it's a, a delight i've been a i've been i guess the long long time listener first time guest i guess <laughs> that's i'm extremely honored man i did mm -hmm. feature you uh, a panel that i did with you and jeremy corbell and ufo jane on the show at one point but this is the first yes. time you've actually been my guest. And of course, I had to yeah. have my co-pilot here, a, um, a fellow Canadian like yourself. Yeah, to come I, on yeah. Here. I've been enjoying your your new uh, collaboration. You're the Nicholson May of UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying. Yeah. We're trying. We are, we're trying. Know. Good to see you, she, um, Nice to yeah, see you. Christy's definitely brought, um, she came Guns a blazing. I mean, she was the one to get me Elizondo and Chris Mellon after oh, their big was... article came out. Yeah, and, that was a great um, interview. That was great. Oh, it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. So we have her to thank for that. We um we just dropped another big story, an exclusive interview about Canadian UFO files, which I want to get your thoughts on too. Oh, Dave, I have, yeah, bit. I saw that. I didn't get a chance yeah. to 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 read that. I was gonna go. Oh, no that. worries. We but, can definitely uh, um, give you the Cliff Notes version, um, but let's do the origin story for our viewers, our listeners who don't really know. Um, I, I don't know how they couldn't know who you are, but your 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 dive into the world of UFOs. How did this start? How'd you first get interested? What made you start to take it seriously? Yeah, well, I think it's been less of a dive into, is more uh, more of a, a fluctuating obs obsession throughout my lifetime. I would say, uh, where I guess, um, I mean, as a kid, I was, I was definitely very interested in you. I mean, I was a child, the TV series UFO was on the air. Um, terrible oh, show, right. by the way, by the guys who made <laughs> Thunderbirds or go, uh, uh, their first live action show. And if you watch it now, it's a fantastic wardrobe, but other than that, it's pretty awful. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, and there was also the uh, Roy Thinnis series. Invaders was on at the time, so it was all you know. And and I loved all the sci-fi movies, like Day of the Earth Stood Still. I loved the sort of utopian vision of of aliens. Uh, of course, a child, big reader of Ray Bradbury as a kid. So, 
Um, so all those things were interesting, but I, but it came in terms of seriousness and attentiveness. It's gone up and down, and it it took a big jump up around the time of the uh, the Phoenix Lights. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, because that was one. Um, I mean, I mean, before that, I mean, I never bought the, the Roswell story, uh, the cover up story, but the, when the Phoenix Lights happened back in '97, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one where I just kept looking at it and and then heard the ridiculous, you know, it was Flair's explanation, and and again, how quickly. Uh, I mean, you go, go back to Roswell, where basically you could just say, you know, um, it was, you know, it was a balloon, and people, go, oh yes, yes, the the only uh, yeah, nuclear uh, wing in in the world uh, would mistake a, a balloon for a UFO, uh, right? <laughs> everyone, everyone have a nap now, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so the Phoenix Lights seemed like exactly the same thing, where you know you. Uh, the government comes out and says it was flares, and all the media who were covering it a day before go, "No, I knew it." <laughs> um, so that got me thinking. Oh, this is ridiculous. And I guess, and just after that, uh, the French Cometa report came out. All oh, right. Uh, which was the French government's? Uh, uh, well, it was, a, it was a joint thing. It was the military science academy and government all working on a report on UFOs. And at the end, they just came out and, came out and said to the whole world, oh, UFOs are real, uh, and our best bet is they're extraterrestrial. And, and again, this is, a, this is a pretty established Western government uh, saying this, a uh, pretty uh, strong you know, uh, scientific nation. Um, and again, uh, no one cared. You know, <laughs> right, right. And then, and, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they shut down Cometa after they came out with that conclusion? I think I'm not sure if they did. I can't. I don't know now. Uh, I don't. Know I think they, it was I, within I like months or something. They said, yeah, yeah most possibly the the most. Uh, uh, what would you say? The biggest answer to it is probably extraterrestrial. And then they're like, yeah. nope, program over, done. done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they got their result. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, arguably, yeah. that's what you do with a program. They fit, they true. get their their result and you shut it down. Um, yeah. But you think you'd follow it up with some other studies? And, and <laughs> yeah. I'm going to assume they have. You know, um, right. I mean, I, I mean, I do think the French have a better sort of reporting system than we've had. Uh, I don't know if it's still extent, but um, but yeah. So those are the things that was got, got me really going on again, and then. Um, Years later, seeing, uh, watching um, um, uh, the uh, Out of the Blue, um, mm, um, James, Fox. James Fox's movie. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that, and that was the first. I think to me, I think it was the first really good documentary about the subject, because it was, it was very well produced, and it was dealing almost entirely with with uh, you know extremely uh, uh, what's what's the term? Not unimpeachable. Uh, credible, uh, mostly dealing with extremely credible sources and, and witnesses, and looking at, at at data, and I thought that was like the first really great, and that one really just that, and then watching the follow up, I know what I saw, um, sort of went okay, all right, this is uh, yeah, I gotta I gotta take this is a pretty serious issue for our time. Yeah, 
Right. And then, I mean, were you one of these people too, when the whole New York times thing came out and everything, were you all in at that point or were you kind of with the rest of us like, huh, what's going on here? Oh, I was all in. Uh, in fact, I was in enough that, that, that I, that when the New York times story came out, I, I knew what, they, what was being left out of it. Um, all right. I mean, I, at that time I already, I knew from my, some of my friends, about OSAP and knew that you were in the know. Yeah. And knew that, right. you know, knew, knew that the, uh, the larger program, uh, was OSAP and that ATIP was just sort of an offshoot of OSAP within the, within the Pentagon. Uh, so I knew, I knew the things that, you know, recently everyone's going, well, we should have, you know, the, these, you know, the, we weren't told the truth by the New York times. I mean, I knew that they just, they just weren't able to tell it at the time because the, the head of uh, OSAP hadn't come out hadn't agreed to go public yet. How did you surround yourself then within the UFO community, Dave? Like, how did in you like find yourself like embedded in this group of people that now have all this intel, right? Yeah. Like all this intel, because it's we all find our way in in different ways. Outside yeah. of being interested in it, you find yourself into surrounded by people in the community. Well, it started because I was going to do it. I was going to go on uh, my friend Joe Rogan's podcast to promote my own podcast, and. Uh, and I, so I remember uh, texting Joe late at night saying, Joe, you're going to be so excited. I'm, I'm full on into UFOs again. And, uh, and, and I was startled to get the text back from Joe. Ah, it's all bullshit. I'm, I'm out of that. Right. Thought, what, what the fuck? How <laughs> can you be out of it second. now? And yeah. so, yeah. and that's one of the things where I started talking to him about, uh, I talked about James Fox's movies. And I also said, you know, I said, you should also, you should watch uh, uh, the Bob Lazar documentary. Uh, by this guy Jeremy Corbell, and I said there's a lot of really interesting, compelling stuff in that, and uh, and then uh, so after I mentioned Jeremy's movie, Jeremy uh, reached sort of uh, gave me a, a shout on Twitter, and so we became Twitter friends, and uh, and we are you know and then we became uh, real life friends uh, a little later. I actually I remember staying staying at Joshua Tree. And reached, sort of tweeted at Jeremy saying, "Look, I'm out in your uh, your end of the world. Uh, what should I do when I'm out here? Because he was he used to live out in Joshua Tree. Um, right. So uh, so that was yeah. So we became friends over just like you know, telling me what what restaurants and what tourist sites to see. And then we uh, actually started meeting up and talked talking about UFOs. So we've been friends since then. We know that Joe is the person that got you in." Or you've got yeah. Joe back in, I should yeah, say. I yeah, I got Joe back. Yeah, you got Joe back. Well, back in. well yeah. back in the Phoenix <laughs> big, Lights days, we used one. to talk about it all the time. You know, we used to talk, mm -hmm. and also, I mean, I used to, used to argue because Joe was into sort of the uh, some of the uh, ancient alien stuff that I thought was kind of crazy, uh, and I would argue with him about you know, like when J Joe was convinced the pyramids were built by aliens, <laughs> and I kept and I was firmly opposed to that idea. I just kept saying, oh, "It's Stone Age technology, Joe." It's Stone Age. It's there's actually just stone masonry. Uh, so if the aliens, I believe the aliens built it. If there was one electric light bulb in there, you know? <laughs> right, right. Hey, but and you're talking mm. to the guy who's on Ancient Aliens, but I can say yeah. publicly, like Dave, I'm with you, man. Like we yeah. we forget the ingenuity and the innovativeness of of different cultures throughout yeah. the world and oh, what and, they and the can accomplish. The and the pyramids of Giza weren't built like, like just. Let's build this. 
there's hundreds of years of progress. You can watch the progress. You can travel around Egypt and see it. It starts with burial mounds. Then it starts with stepped uh, earth pyramids. Then it starts with stone stepped pyramids. Then it started, eventually gets to the smooth walled pyramids of Giza. I mean, but it took hundreds of years for them to figure it out. And you can, right. you can actually walk around Egypt and, and see it. You can see the progress towards the pyramids. Uh, so yep. that, that's but, yeah, that. Yeah. But could it be? Could it be? No, I'm just kidding. No. We're, we won't yeah. go there. We won't go there. That, yeah. <laughs> um, that, that, that well, the Nazis, the, the Nazis got the V2 advice from uh, aliens. Oh, that's the God. other one that makes me crazy. Why would Nazis. The Glocken. Yeah. The Glocken. Like, Why would aliens show them how to build rockets? They have gravitic propulsion. Why would they, if they want to help the Nazis, why wouldn't they say, here, here's how you defy gravity. Yeah, yeah. T- take our trash, tra- take our, yeah. you know, thermodynamic rockets and yeah. uh, and good yeah. luck with that. Um, yeah, no, they, no, the aliens just show them how to use thousand-year-old Chinese technology. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. No. Um, let's move to, I mean, a lot of the stuff you brought up that got you interested is... Um, through documentaries and kind of the entertainment industry and how mm-hmm. they have handled this topic, whether it's through mainstream media or through Hollywood. Um, you're saying I'm not they, a reader. That's what you're saying, isn't it? No, I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm not. No, saying, that's fair. What's your favorite? What, what's your favorite I'm, UFO? I'm dyslexic, so I'm. I am. I'm. Oh. I am. I'm not a great reader. Uh, Leslie Kane's book I really loved. I read that. Uh, and I finally, I finally got around to. Uh, now that I'm not being cynical anymore. Yes. Nice. Yeah, that's a fantastic <laughs> book. I finally got around to reading The Day After Roswell, uh, oh, which I guess I had yes, kind of dismissed. Corso. Yeah, Phil Corso, which I dismissed for years, and finally read it and uh, went, oh, it's, it's so much more rational than it's made out to be. It's so much, you know, he's like, none of his claims seem outrageous. You know, when you actually uh, don't, uh, when you're not reading the people describing his claims. Right, exactly, yeah. I, I haven't made my all made my way through the entire book yet but you're right a lot of the stuff that he says um there could be some truth to it and you know unfortunately like everything else with roswell we'll probably never truly know but um yeah but it's not like he was saying he was not like he was saying we got all these technologies from ufos he was saying he he his job was to find areas where people were doing research in various material sciences where some of the materials recovered might have helped Put that push that re- research forward. You know, it's not right. saying yeah. It's not saying he just said, "Hey, here's some here's fiber optics. Go <laughs> ahead, and make a billion dollars. Good luck." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. I actually spoke to Paul Helliard about that. Yeah, I spoke to Paul Helliard before, like years before he passed, about two years, and he read that book, and that's what got him into the story as well. And he actually looked at his background because he was the minister of defense. And then he was also going to be running to be the prime minister against Trudeau. And that was Pierre Trudeau, not our Trudeau now currently. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he then read that book when he was on vacation and someone gave it to him. And then that's what brought him in. But his parallel timelines said that it made sense for him. So when he mm-hmm. read it, he went, I know he knew the Kennedys. He knew everything that was related. So for him, it made sense. And when you get, you know, anybody that's in defense saying that their li- timelines match up with what the book says, you kind of have, you know, yeah. and he obviously knew more intel than we would ever know at that point, too. Yes. So, and then he is the yeah. full course. So he was so highly connected, you know, and so yeah. highly respected. And yeah. 
and as I said, and and even you read the book, it's a very seems like a it's a very pragmatic account of of how we took. I got this stuff. I got it. I'm I'm supposed to hand it out. That's my job. Yeah. And he lists all of the uh, you know all of the uh, key players that he was in contact with and that he dealt with. You know, so he's pretty detailed in the uh, you know in the you know the personnel that he cites. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Christy, um, why don't we we head into the entertainment territory? Because I know this is, you know, um, kind of what you guys chatted about on your show with Dave. But I'd love if we could expand on that conversation a little bit in terms of the entertainment industry. And, um, you know, I know Dave is um, you've done some stuff on television. I'm a professional entertainer. You yeah. are. You are. You've done just just a few <laughs> things that people might mm-hmm. couple them. But yeah, Chrissy, please take it from there. Yeah, we talked a lot about misinformation too, Dave, and ridicule, because I know that you started in the community and there was a lot of ridicule around it. Have you seen, like, what examples in entertainment um, that used ridicule that you thought maybe was creating misinformation within the entertainment industry? And then obviously that led to mainstream. Yeah. Oh, I, well, I mean, I think every, uh, I think from the, uh, I mean, when was, when was the decision made by the Pentagon to, to, uh, rid- begin publicly ridiculing and undermining, uh, the credibility of, of, of witnesses that was like early fifties, right? Yeah. 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 Back project blue book days. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it was the, they went from the, they went from a stance of, all right, let's investigate this stuff to let's make it seem crazy and make everyone who talks about it seem crazy and condition the public to that and so um so i would say like going back from the earliest you know i mean television radio uh that was sort of the atmosphere was created that all of the people who believed in ufos were you know the lunatics who hung out in the desert uh waiting for them to come down for you know to save us um and uh and so they uh so comedy uh, especially in those days, there was very a, a strong uh, tendency towards what I would used to call public domain comedy. Uh, you know, which is like you know every 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 comedy show would do a scene where I, a, a drunk guy sees something crazy and then takes the flask out of his pocket and goes, "Oh boy," <laughs> you know. So everyone everyone would do the same joke, right? In those days, uh, I think we've we've evolved a little bit from that. We've made comedy a little harder now. Um, but at that time, yeah, so you'd go for the low-hanging fruit, the easy laugh. So if, if there was a story about UFOs in the news, everyone in comedy would tell their jokes, you know, whether it was Bob Hope or later, whether it was Johnny Carson uh, or later Saturday Night Live. Uh, yeah. And it just all went on. That, that, that smart, intelligent people immediately mocked the story, immediately mocked any witnesses, derided them, uh, disparaged and uh, and and disposed of them uh, pretty quickly. Uh, are you hearing these alerts on my computer? No. Oh, no. Good. Then, I'll, then I'll ignore them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think uh, there was just so comedians became um, an unwitting ally, I think, to the government in creating uh, the narrative that uh, all UFO uh, encounters are the the product of deranged minds and 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 forwarding the uh, stereotype of the uh yeah you know of the of the the hick and his camper in the middle of the woods you know 
uh, with his bottle of moonshine seeing a UFO, you know? Yeah. And, and I got to say to, to, uh, to a certain extent, I mean, that, that social conditioning is one of the things that has amazed me most since, I guess, even since, particularly since the New York Times article, is the profound effect that the social conditioning has had on, on the population. That even now when you've got the Pentagon coming out and saying, yes, they're real, you know, um, no, we don't know what they are. Um, the response of the public is still largely <laughs> right. That stuff's crazy. I don't even want to talk about that crazy shit, you know. And just the going on with their day. Well, whatever, whatever, freak, you know. And and I know. And this is from in, particularly from intelligent people who actually are. As I said, I have friends who who I know read the New York Times from cover to cover. Uh, but when I ask them about about the you know the, these. Uh, UFO revelations from the New York Times and the, 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 the three famous videos that came out along with it. People I know read the New York Times were going, what are you talking about? When was this? This was in the Times? I didn't see that. And you realize it's the social conditioning that literally, not only did they not read the articles, they didn't register that they had seen the articles because they're so conditioned to just block out anything to do with UFOs. And right. that, even that, if it's on the front page, yes, even if it's on the front page, and th- you know, there's no way they missed it, but yeah. they did. Smart yeah. people that I know, I could talk to them about everything else that was in that issue of the New York Times, you know, and uh, people that people that are, you know, friends of mine that are comedians that are extremely um, tied into you know, the culture, um, just zero awareness of the fact that that the that the story had broken and that the Pentagon had confirmed it. And uh that startled me and I, I kept thinking, wow, it, it really is this a larger danger to be aware of, which is how susceptible we are to having our uh I guess our our field of view narrowed by social conditioning. Yeah, and through media and entertainment. I had the same thing, too. I had a a friend where I was visiting them in L.A., and we were all chatting, and I said, I'm like, yeah, we have, like, a UFO office, and you could watch their mind just, like, like, just explode, and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, like, we haven't been catching up. Apparently, you don't watch any of our work, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Just see him. You know, I've mentioned it a couple times on social, but whatever. Um, but no, it, and I could see her mind just expand. And she's like, I need to know more. And, and it was great because yeah. I'm like, okay, well, great. Like I've opened up the, your mind and the door now to, to learn a bit more. But for her, it was like, okay, now this is acceptable. So yeah. in, interesting to see her perspective. And then and, that's and now the, what she'll probably teach her kids and everything else that are that's going to happen in the years to come, right? So, yeah, I know. And I mean... Because it's because it's, it's it is. I mean, I, I do keep coming up against this where where you you, you just talk to people, and you see, I used to have a friend in high school who joined a cult, and the cult he was in, they was largely based on meditation, and but they had him conditioned that if you questioned any of the 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 beliefs of his cult, that he would he would lapse into a trance, so you'd basically you'd ask him a question about his cult and you'd be sitting on the bus talking and having a fine time and then you'd ask him a question he didn't like and you'd go and he would just stay that way until you backed off and 
And it, it struck is just unbelievable that you could condition someone to to respond that way to information that they don't like. Oh wow! And yeah, that's exactly the response I'm seeing from uh, the people I would consider to be my my peers in the world, uh, which which I would say are, you know, the the smart left wing intellectual sort of crowd that I I I, I wrongly believe I'm part of. Um, and that 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 crowds when it comes to UFOs um, uh, are uh, are the same thing. As, as soon as you present them with these ideas, they don't want to hear. It's, you know, they go into the trance of just not he- listening, not hearing. You can see the eyes glaze over, and it's 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 chill. It's a chilling effect, and that we should none of us should ever think that we've escaped it. Uh, even if we've escaped it, maybe on this one subject. There are probably numerous other subjects in which we've been totally uh, shut down from thinking about uh, things. Obviously, religion's great at doing it, uh, at shutting down thought. Um, and politics, uh, adherence to any sort of political uh, party or, or philosophy can do it as well. Um, but for us, I think it's the, the most susceptible group in the world, I think, are... are People who consider themselves to be intellectuals, um, mm. uh, are, and I think you know. Even I think it was, as I said, like Noam Chomsky and manufacturing uh, consent uh, talked about how you know that you don't need conspiracies in the left. Uh, all you need to do is create an environment in which it's not acceptable to think about certain things. <laughs> and uh, and the left, the left wing intellectuals will adhere to those rules. Uh, absolutely, and you will not shake them off of, of those rules about what you are and are not to think about. Interesting. Yeah, you do, I think, tend to see a lot of uh, more right-leaning people uh, in this topic of UFOs, this uh, sense of <laughs> exactly. a distrust in the government um, yeah. and, and whatnot. And again, like I'm not here to you know, say what's right or what's wrong in terms of where That's people my job. lay... Yeah, that's your job, Dave. Yeah, you're the one who's going to alienate our audience, not me. No, (laughs) no pun intended. Um, But yeah, you're right. I think, you know, as a also a and my viewers and listeners know this as a more left leaning person, they they always ask me what how is it dealing with a community who's mostly a lot of them don't have the same beliefs as you. And I'm like, hey, look, if this one topic is the thing that I can like have a civil discourse with them about um so mm-hmm. be it maybe that'll open the door to other things or maybe it'll make it worse i i get to see any <laughs> results from that but um yeah but i don't know i don't know it's such a profound but, topic you would hope it could transcend mm-hmm. all of that you would hope i hope so it, it should it's, it's certainly um i think um and again, and again, I think that's part of why the left dismisses it because they, you know, again, it's part of the cliche. The you know the crazy red rednecks and their you know and their prepper bunkers, um, you know, so that you know it all gets lumped into one thing as opposed to you know maybe these people with their mistrust of the government at least left them open to hearing this information. You know, it may have closed them off from hearing a lot of other important information. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, like about vaccines and stuff, but at least it opened their their minds to this this bit of information. 
whereas the left that are by and large uh, you know our minds are closed to this subject you know and our our heroes our scientists are mostly closed to it. it's changing now it is changing um was i just watched oh i'm trying to remember the name of the it was a podcast uh eric it was eric weinstein and uh, hal Putoff were on a podcast oh, recently yes. with with a, i guess a guy who's sort of a uh, I don't know if he's like a protege or student of Eric's. Uh, I don't know, but I forget the name of his podcast. It's pretty good, uh, but it's mostly it's mostly a, a podcast about science and mathematics. And but he's moved into the UFO discussion and dragged Eric Weinstein into it, uh, still kind of kicking and screaming. But it, but even er- Eric Weinstein is accepting the reality of UFOs now, uh, uh, and and he's still he's at a place where I think I was a little while ago where he's accepting reality of, of UFO phenomena, uh, but absolutely dismissing the, any possibility of uh, of like the abduction phenomena. Uh, mm-hmm. Which and I I gotta admit I I feel bad I actually dismissed that as well for a very long time, uh, and then it, which logically doesn't make any sense because if you accept that UFOs are here and that there's a strong possibility that they're extraterrestrial, it would seem kind of stupid if they weren't abducting us. Hmm. It's, you know, know, it is, it's hard. It's hard day for someone who has spent half my life interviewing experiencers and claimed abductees. You know, I can't even pretend to be closer to an answer of whether these abductions are happening in the physical realm as we know it, or if they're happening at all. All I can do is, you know, continue to ask questions of these people and, and at least listen to them you know yeah. i think it's it's yeah. everyone deserves to at least be heard when it comes it, to these topics yeah, yeah. it, it, it yeah. just seems absurd to dismiss it once you've accepted other like once you accept one premise uh the the, the you know and in fact i remember eric Weinstein in this podcast was all upset about the idea he said well you know we can't just because we accept this doesn't mean we have, we open the door to everything you know just so we accept that the ufos these ships are existing doesn't mean we open the door to you know abductees and it's good why doesn't it (laughs) you know once you've at least yeah keep the door ajar right yeah and you can start the conversation yeah exactly you know i think we're we're dealing with right now the mainstream now accepting ufos exists like just that question you know with the united states government saying yeah there's a physical phenomenon happening we still don't know what it is but um, yeah, it's real. We're gonna, we want people to report it. We'll look into yeah. it. Um, it's a lot to ask them to then believe in abductions, and by that I mean the mainstream public. Yeah. But you know, yeah. maybe there will come a time where we get there. It's just not right now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, and there's like this counterculture group that's growing. You know, there's apps now that if you're in that community, you can go and talk to people and share conversations. And the ridicule is not. It's still there for I think for. Mm-hmm you know, adapt adaptees and like contactees, but they're feel they feel I think a little bit easier and lighthearted that they can come out and talk about it more freely. And so you're getting more of those people happening. So I think yeah. once we start figuring out what's going on here, we'll probably we there is no choice for that discussion not to happen, but it's probably gonna take, I don't know, another five years, I would imagine. You know, yeah. I, I might be wrong, but I think it's gonna take a little bit longer. And also yeah. science will have to catch up to that I too. Ho- I hope so for so. the base just for the for the um out of empathy for the people who have had these experiences yeah. uh, and, and just the sheer volume of people who've had these experiences. Uh, it's yeah. just seems um, 
close-minded and condescending to just dismiss it all. You know, I mean, let's, let's obviously, probably most of the accounts are not true. And there's certainly a certain amount of, of mental illness involved in the phenomenon. But there's a certain amount of mental illness involved with everything. Um, right. So we don't dismiss we don't dismiss everyone who believes something just because some of the people who believe it are crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, are, are which cases, Dave? May I ask? Uh, do you buy into when it comes to abductions? I get asked that a lot, and you know, I kind of always turn to the the quit essentials, you know, the documented ones and whatnot. Yeah, but yeah, again, yeah. I've spoken to hundreds of people, so I'm going to have a yeah. different answer. From other I, people. I have which ones would you say? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think the Travis Walton one is is one of the most compelling. Mm. Uh, you know, you know, in terms of just, you know, the amount of well, the amount of documentation, corroboration, and the fact that he's stuck with this, he's stuck with the story all these years, and uh, you know, and I think the, the uh, Betty and Barney Hill is pretty compelling, yeah. um, and I also, you know, also uh, I friends who have had abduction experiences uh, and I believe them now and I didn't at first. Um, so it's, uh, but I, I would say, yeah, probably the two, the two big famous ones are probably the, you know, the ones I know the best. I've also, you know, I've also read, um, um, some of, uh, <laughs> David Jacobs books. Oh, right. Yes. About Hawk and stuff. And of course, uh, ja um, uh, Harvard psychiatrist, psychologist. Oh yes, uh, John Mack. John Mack. John Mack. Oh, John Mack. Oh, John yes. Mack. Great. And, like, and John yeah. Mack. John Mack. Both went to Harvard. You were not far right. off. Right. It was Harvard. like yes. It's like, <laughs> yeah, John Mack. Teach at Harvard. <laughs> yeah, right. John Mack. And uh, and he he did a great documentary years ago about uh, uh, experiencers that was pretty kind of chilling and compelling. Um, yeah. He brought it into the mainstream too with Oprah yeah. and so many other people talked yeah. about it because of John Mack and for and him, he, you know, he, he shed a lot of light on it. Yeah. yeah and he almost sacrificed he? his career for it. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. I know. He they tried to get rid of him. It's crazy. I know. I think yeah. it came to like a lawsuit at one point. But um yeah. it's crazy yeah. to me to think too, like Mack was one of the first people on the ground at that Zimbabwe case. Back in yeah. 94, I believe it was. Oh, yeah, and the, now, yeah. like, who knows what kind of preserved evidence we would have had had he not gone there and, like, interviewed all these kids who had this yeah. crazy close encounter experience at their school. Um, we yeah. probably never would have really known about it had he not been there. And Cynthia Hines, the investigator who actually... Yeah originally investigated that case we really have her to think but again yeah. john was like yo i'm on a plane i'm getting to zimbabwe i gotta interview these people yes. like that says something when a harvard that, psychiatrist is more willing yeah. to do that and i'm trying to think has that documentary come out yet there was a i know there was a documentary in the works not yet with all i know they're supposed to come out Zimbabwe event. yeah yeah i think it was supposed to come out this year or last year but they've been holding yeah. on to it yeah, I'm excited. The, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the footage that James Fox has in his documentaries from from John Mack yes. and yeah. the Zimbabwe uh, kids is pretty, you know, pretty amazing. 
James yep. is working on another documentary too. Oh, that has, a, yeah, he is. That has a similar, um, I'll just say, appeal from what I've known and what I see on his Facebook that he's sharing. Um, but it's, I think that's going to be. I don't know when it's going to be released, but it's going to be exciting too. I think it has a very similar feel to the phenomenon, but yeah. more in depth and something similar to the aerial school event. So, yeah. and I'd say yeah. for one thing, a documentary that I don't think a lot of people um, that was the Secret History of UFOs, which is a Canadian documentary. Mm-hmm. And I'm forgetting the name of the, the filmmaker because uh, I'm old. Um, I've never watched that one. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, I find some people had trouble getting them to watch it because they found like the, the, the production style of it felt outdated. You know, whereas James Fox's <laughs> stuff seems modern. But, you know, and but his was a very sort of casual chatty. And he's a guy who used to do uh, a documentary work for uh, The Fifth Estate, which is Canada's 60 Minutes yeah. and The Nature of Things. So he was like a serious... Uh, uh, documentarian and journalist and he did a, a, a basically a really solid overview of the whole modern history of UFOs and but on, on top of that he also on Amazon you can also find um, the addendums to it which I think there's three addendums to it and they're, and they're all they're all at least two or three hours long and it's just the raw oh. interviews you know with people like Bud Hopkins and, and David Jacobs and uh you know, and uh, all like all the people that are, that uh, they interviewed for the, for the movie. So That's I would cool. recommend watching the addendums. Just watching the raw interviews is pretty pretty amazing stuff. Hey guys, Ryan here. The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is a labor of love every week, and with that comes many different costs to keep the show running. That's where our Patreon campaign comes in. You give what you think the show is worth. There's different rewards available all the time, including shoutouts on the show, early editions of main episodes, bonus episodes and content, and very soon, monthly patron hangouts, where we sit back and chat all things UFOs. So I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon subscriber today. To learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support, and keep looking up. Do you like stories of the strange, the weird, and the unexplained? Then we want you to check out Jim Harold's Campfire. The concept is pretty simple. Jim talks to regular people about strange stuff that happens to them. And yes, that includes UFOs, along with cryptids, ghosts, and head scratchers. He doesn't exaggerate or play a lot of spooky music, kinda like I'm doing right now. The stories speak for themselves. Ones like a ghost story involving serial killer Ted Bundy, or the young man who encountered an eight-legged demon. Then there's the story of an alien abduction by what could be considered a reptilian. Now not all the stories are horrifying. Some are actually pretty heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience. Regardless, these are true and fascinating stories told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. Tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Somewhere in the Skies. And remember, stay spooky. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, you know, since we're talking about Canada, um, Chrissy yes. just had on our show uh, vice contributor Daniel Otis, who just obtained over 20 years of Canadian government UFO files. Insane. Yeah. Like, of course, mm-hmm. you know, the story would break now in the middle of like another pretty crazy time in our history. Um, yep. This seems to be a running theme when it comes to breaking UFO stories. But um, this is pretty stunning. The Canadian government uh, gave him all of this. You know, he's been working on it for a really long time. So uh, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. But, you know, Chrissy spoke to him, Dave, about this idea of. The reason he was able to obtain a lot of these files from the Canadian government is because a lot of it is not classified like it is here in the United States because they're not pinning this um, this threat potential to it, which will automatically increase the chances of something getting classified and and never released. So you yeah. know, Daniel well, spoke in about Canada, that. in Canada. We don't worry so much about threat. Is will they like us? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, well, that's my question for you. Why do you think it is, you know, in Canada, there's this, um, you know, A, it's it hasn't been as big of a thing as it has been here in the United States. And B, um, is it because they don't take that threat uh, kind of narrative that we are getting more from the Canadian government than we would from the United States? Um, but, we're, yeah, the, but the weird thing is we're, we're getting it now. Um but for all these years, no one's bothered to ask, I guess, is Good the point. weird thing about Canadians. <laughs> is, uh, it's just never, like, you know, we're, you know it's all these, you know, people in the, you know, the U.S. who are doing constant Freedom of Information uh, Act requests, um, it never occurs to Canadians to ask, you know, <laughs> you know oh, it's just, oh, don't, it, he'll think you, you're being rude. Don't ask the government something that might be secret. <laughs> um, so Canadians are, uh, 
you know, we tend we t- we tend to see not to not to to get as involved, I guess, in in that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But definitely, but definitely, I don't think. Yeah, we we aren't a th- a nation that thinks in terms of threats all the time, even though we live next to one of the most dangerous countries in the world. Yeah, and uh, I was just going to say me? too. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say too. Daniel Otis tweeted today, and I brought it up. It says today. Uh, like, and this is movement, and it's probably because of Daniel's article that put some pressure along with what's happening in the States and the news media. But he wrote, today, Parliament member uh, Larry McGuire, MP, asked the government to prepare a written report on identified aerial phenomenon and uh, insecurity at Canadian nuclear facilities and to share the data with the new UAP program. So that's huge. Uh, yeah, huge. it's huge. Yeah. And I tweeted, um, Daniel, I was like, that's probably because of you. Uh, you know, and like it, you know, yeah. you your article with Vice, and he's been doing yeah. a lot within the Canadian system, and I have a lot of respect well, for him as a journalist because he's he literally said he's like I just asked, and yeah, nobody's been asking, so he just asked the right questions at the right mm-hmm. time. He said, and I'm like, you know what? I'm glad you did, and like, and he's yeah. a really wonderful journalist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as I said, Canadians, we have a tendency to not. Um, we're only now uh, taking looks at a lot of the very dark parts of our history. Um, and 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that was unheard of. We didn't, you know, Canadians didn't really, um, you know, there was, we were too embedded in being lovely, nice Canada to, uh, to be very, uh, self, uh, uh, I guess, uh, to, to examine ourselves very much. Um, but it's also a big transition for vice as a publication, uh, mm-hmm. since they were pretty derisive of the New York Times article and of mm-hmm. the UFO story in general for the last couple of years. Uh, so it's nice that they're kind of, I guess, uh, changing their stance and actually looking at the looking at the evidence. I was just going to say, too, I'm like, do you think that news media then is influencing politics? Because we're kind of seeing that. I'm going to say it, it's not 100% that Daniel Otis stuff is is but it kind of makes sense you know he comes out with an article and then a couple of days later or not even a week later this happens in canada so do you think that news media is, is affecting politics and it could be around the world or especially yeah. in the states i think it, i think it is it's it's gradual because the news media is is uh it, it does have tend to have such a herd mentality um yeah. so it's hard to get people to take on the story that nobody else is covering because there's just an assumption, well, if no one else is covering it, it mustn't really be a story. Um, so uh, so getting people to t- just sort of turn that ship around is, is slow. But definitely the media, it, I know, I'm, I don't live in Canada, so I don't see as much of it, but I'll, some, I'll see clips online of Canadian reports on UFOs. And they're uh, gradually, one by one, they all seem to, to be uh, not playing the uh, X-Files theme anymore uh and that's my real that's my real gauge of the uh seriousness of the of the media is is when when finally we never hear the x-files theme again unless we're watching the (laughs) x-files exactly right right. because it's it's automatic because it is it's almost like a it's almost like you know the manchurian candidate where there's the trigger word uh, you know, to, to set the Manchurian candidate off. The, uh, the X-Files theme was the trigger to t- turn off everybody's brain whenever watching a story about UFOs. You know, I'm like, yeah. no, this is silly. 
Oh, sit here till it ends, though. (laughs) Oh, it's over. By Frank Spotnitz or whatever his name was. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Christy, um, I have some really good listener questions for Dave that we got. So Kevin on Twitter asks, I already don't like this guy. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I already got a bad feeling about this fella. You, you, go you, on, go oh, on. Yeah. Come on, Kevin. All right, Let's... I guess we'll read it. Yeah, Let's give hear what you first, got. Kevin. Have you ever thought of doing a UFO ET abduction themed comedy similar to say something like uh, People of Earth on TBS, the show that unfortunately got canceled too soon? But yeah, have you ever thought uh, of doing anything like that? Yes, but then they made People of Earth, so I stopped thinking about it. And then People of Earth <laughs> failed, so now I can't sell it to anyone else. Um, but yeah, no, it was a really good show. I liked it uh, a lot, and um, I would have, I would have loved to have done a show like that. I would have loved to have been a guest on that show, uh, but apparently, me hinting about it didn't do any good. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's hard. I mean, I would definitely like, to, you know, to do something um, on the theme. Yeah, I also also really interested in doing something uh, non comedy on the theme too. You know, right. You know, I'd yeah, exactly. Love to... It would say a lot coming from, I think, someone like you who's known a lot for comedy. But I've, of course, like any artist, like there's other sides to everyone. And I think, you know, this mm. topic is starting to be taken more seriously. There was a short lived show, I think, on ABC or CBS that was about um, like wreckage that fell to earth from a UFO craft. Yes. Yeah. Then it immediately got canceled after like six episodes. Oh, did I didn't even know it got canceled. I was watching it. Yeah. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good show. What was it? Debris. There we go. I was trying to think of the name of it. Yeah. Um, well, interesting take on sort of the material sciences. Yeah. uh, Avenue of the uh, UFO story. Yeah. I really wanted to see where it was going, but, Alas, yeah. hey, hey, bad. there's always Netflix or Amazon or Hulu <laughs> yeah. or endless streaming services it could go to. Um, well, here's another comedian who we love near and dear to our hearts here in the UFO community. Um, Dan Aykroyd. No, he did not ask this question. I wish. Oh, I wish. Wow. But <laughs> I, I've never you... talked to Dan about, about UFOs. I would love to oh, sometime. That was my the friend... question. Oh, that and have I talked to Dan Aykroyd? No, I have never yep. talked to Dan Aykroyd. Although one of my very good friends is uh, a man named Dave Thomas, who was uh, one of the stars of uh, SCTV, and uh, and who wrote the who wrote the, a Dan Aykroyd movie called Spies Like Us, uh, and is a brilliant comedian. One of the, to me like one of the guys who inspired me uh, most as a as a uh, youngster. Um, but I have talked to him about UFOs, and he's you know talked to me a bit about some of Dan's. Uh, you know, uh, views on UFOs. I've certainly seen Dan's public uh, work about UFOs uh, yeah. over the years, but I've never had a. I've, most of my conversations with Dan Aykroyd involve me trying to get him to remember that he's met me before. <laughs> uh, so that's it. Never usually goes beyond that. It's always like yeah. we have mutual friends, uh, Dan. We've met before, <laughs> and it's oh, ah, sure, sure, right. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, excellent, <laughs> excellent. Good work, good work, good work. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. Have you tried my, what is it? Uh, like mm. crystal skull my vodka? Crystal skull vodka. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's an encyclopedia when it comes to UFO stories. I couldn't yeah. believe how many he knows. I remember yeah. watching his Joe Rogan interview and I'm like, what? I'm like, I never knew you knew so much about UFOs, Dan. Like, I knew he'd love the topic, but I didn't realize yeah. he could spit off almost every story. Like, he just, yeah. 
and he and I make sense. He's a storyteller. You know, he makes yeah. sense that he loves them because the UFO stories are really great or abduction stories are really great. Well, and well, and, and I believe he's be. kind of he's kind of a a spectrum e genius uh, for yeah. and you know he has a tunnels in whatever he takes an interest in he tunnels in and learns everything. He's one of those guys who just has yeah. this in, intense focus on whatever he's doing at the moment. Right. And so you can see where. Uh, you know that he would just just plow into it, and he he's one of those guys you know would he just never care what anyone thinks about him about anything. So uh, he, yeah. you know he was so he was obviously way out ahead of uh, of the, of the curve of, of popular of big figures in popular culture. Uh, oh, for sure. And talking about these things. Absolutely. What what about your your friends over at the kids in the hall, Dave? Like, do they know about your? fascination with this topic what do they what do they think about it have they ever they, brought they it up know to you about or it. have you i think they mostly politely ignore it uh <laughs> you know um i think scott thompson's probably a little bit interested in it uh, more than than the other guys um you know you know kevin's more interested in soccer uh you know <laughs> um but yeah i don't think yeah i don't think uh yeah, I don't think any any of those guys are particularly into the subject. Scott, a little bit, um, but that's about it, I think. That's fair, right? Eric. That's fair. Well, yeah, Eric on Facebook asks, "What is your all-time favorite sketch from Kids in the Hall?" Nice. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's hard. Uh, an all-time. I would say I I would I would I, I don't know if it's my favorite sketch, but it's a sketch that kind of sums up the whole attitude of the group. Is a sketch called Comfortable. Uh, which is a sketch about two couples having a polite dinner conversation, and after dinner, the one of the uh, one of the husbands gets up and starts uh, obviously trying to su uh, seduce the uh, the other man's wife, and everyone just comfortably goes on and goes, you know, surely you don't mind me doing this, you know, we're such good friends, and and then it it, it, it <laughs> winds up with uh, Scott picking up my wife, played by Kevin, and having sex with her on the dining room table. Well, I explained to his wife that, uh, you know, that uh, this is fine because I'm impotent anyway. So. It's a gaslighting sketch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. I remember that one fondly. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's I, I guess, that's kind of a, to me, a quint, almost a quintessential Kids in the Hall sketch. I'm not yeah. Sure if if you can make a, um, if you can make an American blush and uncomfortable watching sketch comedy, then I think you've done your job, Dave, and I definitely yeah. was when I saw yeah. that one. And then, yeah, oh. because you also have the other layers of it being, oh, then that's really a, two men on the table back there, not a man and a woman. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, so there's all layers. The, I mean, yeah, the kind of the, the gender blurring that we did back in those those early, those old shows was yeah. right. think, was uh, a big part of what I what I I love about the kids in the hall was that we kind of just kind of a kind of a once you bought into the show itself, you kind of all notions of gender kind of just flew out the window. Gender and right. sexuality were all all just became a, an amorphous cloud. Yeah, I love it. I love that. I love that. Um, Dallas on Facebook says, "You're one of my favorites, Dave, from Kids of the Hall and News Radio, all the way up through It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Uh, such a big fan. Super excited for this. Have you ever heard of things like the Big Phone Home? And have you ever considered the possibility of being a part of this kind of thing with your, you know, your celebrity status of um, trying to pressure either the U.S. or Canadian governments into um, taking this topic ser seriously and 
well, raising well, we awareness. Were, well, we were on the big phone home together, weren't we? The uh, the podcast, the live podcast, Luis's podcast. Was yeah. that the first time you were? Is that I think so with Jeremy. Uh, and Jeremy was on there, and oh um, yes, that was with UFO Jane. UFO Joe. Yeah. UFO Jane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm aware, definitely aware of it, um, and have, have had a little bit of involvement in it, but I'm not. I can't say that I'm deeply involved with it. That's fair. Yeah. That is fair, my man. All right. Um, let's see here. Oh, Brian on Facebook asks, "What are your thoughts on UAPs as technological devices, either known terrestrial devices, extraplanetary, or as Terence McKenna referred to them as, other tenants in the building?" yet to be mm -hmm. revealed what do you make of these uap dave what do you think they are um well i think, I think I, my main thing is I, I think we can't think of it as being one thing um i i think it's it's unlikely that the all the uap are one thing or that there's one source for all of the uap phenomena uh i think some of it is nuts and bolts craft um and I mean, I'm going to, first off, let's just like eliminate, like put out all of the misidentifications and, you know, and frauds. Mm -hmm. we'll ignore all that. The stuff that we can pretty much agree are, are uh, interesting cases. Um, some of it's nuts and bolts craft. Uh, uh, some of it might be uh, some, some form of uh, conscious entities in terms of like the spheres that people are seeing and the light spheres and also just, you know, some of the... Uh, I think some of the abductee, abduction experiences might be um, less physical. I, although I do, I do think most of the abduction phenomena seems to be a very physical event that happens in real time to people in the real world where they actually do go missing. Um, so I think it is a real physical event. But but yeah, but maybe it's, you know, I guess Jacques Vallée has long said that this is may have more to do with consciousness than, than, uh, technology. Yeah. Um, but I tend to think that, uh, at least a big component of it is technological. And I think, I think, uh, I mean, the press and I guess the main mainstream society still keeps clinging to the idea that, that, well, you know, unidentified doesn't mean alien. Uh, and it's probably, you know, you hear all these people coming out with zero reason to say it, saying it's probably dark projects. And, um, and certainly some dark projects may lead to some misidentifications, but, uh, but I, I take, I take the U S military at its word that these are not ours, these craft that they're seeing. Uh, and they are not Russian, they are not Chinese, and also people also often will cling to the word drone. They go, well, these are drones. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes the military will say they seem to be drones, but by that they mean unmanned, uh, whether by aliens or humans, that the craft seem to be often too small uh, to have, have anyone inside them. So they refer to those as drones, but that is not an explanation for what they are. Um, so people will go, well, uh, you know, I heard they said those triangles were, were drones. And yes, they did say that. But they also said, we don't know whose drones, where they're from. They don't function in the way that any drone that we know of can. Uh, but they believe they were drones simply because of what they perceived the size of them to be. Um, so uh, so I'm, I'm rambling on. But 
so I think so I think some of it is nuts and bolts, and and I and and the notion that any other country has this technology is ludicrous. Um, because I think we're we're seeing right now with the Ukraine, yeah. um, how limited we are and how we can respond to cha- the challenges of the world we live in. That that basically, if a if a nuclear armed nation decides it's going to do something, we now kind of are looking at the fact of how impotent our uh, you know our traditional military equipment is in the face of a nuclear armed belligerent. Um, you know, and of course, people can say the same about us. But um, but here we're seeing the tragic outcome of of not being able to fight, not having the tools to battle, because we're afraid of of unleashing nuclear weapons. And yeah. so as a result, we have we're allowing a large country to invade an, a small country and uh, murder its citizens and and flatten its cities. And we're, we can do nothing about it. So um, if we had this technology, uh, this wouldn't be happening in the Ukraine right now. And if the Russians had this technology, uh, they wouldn't be invading Ukraine right now because they would have already mm-hmm. taken over the whole world. Yeah. Same thing as if the Chinese had this technology. We don't, you know, we would we would be living under uh, the hegemony of either the uh, the Chinese or the Russians if they had this technology, and if we had this technology, everyone would be too afraid to move. Yeah, yeah. I I'm aligned with that. You know, I, I agree. The stuff that's going on in Russia, or so the stuff that's going on in Ukraine with Russia is a prime example of, you know, we know Russia doesn't have that tech for sure. Um, you know, I'm still look at China. I, you know, I'm still, they have a lot of stuff that's coming out in their defense side with planes. You know, they have something that's similar to like an SR-72 or SR-71 that's been coming out. And I think just recently they released it. And the tech is something that I don't even think we have that, that we know. So things are happening on that side. But I agree with you. If they had it, they would be, they would be ruling the world already by now. You know, everything there are, including China's going that way economically. So yeah, and everything yeah. including uh, like all all black projects that have become public throughout um, the modern era, uh, everything that's that's gone from being top secret black money projects to publicly admitted has has only been incremental increases in technology. Uh, nothing revolutionary has ever come out of a black project only slight incremental increases in abilities you know whether it's jets you know going from prop planes to jets from jets to supersonic jets um we're still looking at uh, a source of propulsion and lift surfaces and control surfaces and essentially there's no difference there's no fundamental difference between the best jets we're flying today and what the Wright brothers put up in the air. The physics are exactly the same. We're just yeah. better at, we're just better at manipulating the physics than the Wright brothers were. Um, so, so to think that we said that some, that somehow there's a black project that absolutely uh, eliminates inertia and, uh, and, Defies the apparently defies the laws of, of physics and uh, time and space. Um, 
and you have to assume that that's what the, the data is showing. Um, so if somebody had that, there would be no reason to spend all the money that we're spending on 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 pumping you know jet fuel out of the back of a of a glider, you know, which is all that all that everything is. Everything we have is basically just a you know a paper glider with a better engine. Um, well, let's let's wrap up the listener questions here, Dave, because we've got just a couple of closing ones here. All right, for if you, you hate your listeners, um, that's your business. <laughs> Um, a let's see here. A I yeah. A I McSee asks through email, Dave, why do you think these mother efforts keep casting you for your voice roles when your face is clearly the golden ticket? Well, <laughs> best question uh, ever. <laughs> I don't know. Well, first off, I don't share your fondness for my face, and I've never understood. I've never understood people's fondness for my voice. Uh, I, I've always, is a, like, like most people, I think I hate the sound of my own voice. And when I hear it recorded, I go, my God, why would anyone hire someone that sounds like that? Um, but, but I've, I've come to realize over the years that, uh, that apparently I have a distinctive voice and I learned years ago that it's a very, I'm almost impossible to impersonate. Oh, wow. Uh, which is interesting. Cause I remember Disney at one point tried to hire someone to impersonate me for, uh, for the, uh, the uh, Bugs Land uh, at, at uh, California Adventure. They tried to hire someone, and uh, my 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 friend John Lasseter, the genius John Lasseter, heard this recording of somebody trying to sound like me. and went, "That's not Dave. What? What's what?" <laughs> and and uh, got very mad at them and insisted that they uh, they hire me to do it. Which makes sense. Yeah. Why should you hire the original person? Yeah. I remember yeah, you telling yeah. me a story, Dave, about. Um, you doing an audition for it, and they were like, "They're like, you already got it." And you're like, "Or they like something to the extent that you oh, were like, my, let's do this." Friend, yeah, well, yeah <laughs> can you I, tell the story I, better? It's your story. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was one of the things. Well, first of all, I got. I originally I was going to audition for the part of the stick insect that uh, David Hyde Pierce played, uh, but I got bumped the day of the, of the auditions because Carol Burnett came in, and I, you know, they said, "Do you mind Carol Burnett's here?" And I said, "Of course, I'll." Be. Yes, <laughs> Carol Burnett. She's yeah. she's she's yes yeah, she's royalty. Of course you take Carol Burnett before you take me. And so I had to go back to work at News Radio. And then they felt guilty about bumping me because uh, that's the kind of people, uh, you know, the Pixar people are. And so they let me come in to read for uh, the, the Flick character instead. And I think they were just doing it to be nice. Uh, but they liked what I was doing so much so that as we were talking, they started reshaping the character and going, yeah, well, the way he's doing it, yeah, the character could do this and this and this based on, based on what I was doing in the audition. And at one point I had to stop them and say, guys, you haven't hired me yet. <laughs> and, and, and they went, right, right, yes, well, we'll, we'll be getting back to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know so you've landed it when they're... Yeah, when yeah. they're molding the character around you yeah. during yeah, an audition. That's yeah, a good sign. They were rewriting yeah. the script. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the insert power, Dave Foley's face yeah. now and yeah. voice. Yeah. But, and that's that's my whole my whole history of that company is that they just they, they don't function like other companies. They just they're just all about the art and all about just pursuing whatever ideas excite them. Which that's is beautiful, um, you know. And it's good to hear. Yeah. The fact that they've made billions of dollars doing that is pretty remarkable. Yeah. It definitely says something. Um, well, Dave, hope. Hope for the future. We all need it right now in so many different yeah. ways, um, but especially with the UFO topic. Um, what do you hope for 
in 2022 when it comes to this topic of UFOs, UAP. We've come a long way in the past couple of years, but there's still a long way to go. Um, what do I'm, you hope and what should I'm we hoping, focus on? I'm hoping we get to the point where uh, whatever whatever it is that uh, Lou Elizondo uh, clearly wants us to know he knows, but that he can't tell us and that he keeps hinting at, I'm, I'm hoping that 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 we get to the point where we can hear what those those facts are. And I've also heard Hal put off intimate uh, that there's there's some really much there's some really big stuff that we don't know yet that that is known. So I would love it if those knowns because it's still going to be a mystery, I think, but I'd love to have those knowns, those unknown, those known, uh, those things that some that someone knows be something that we can all know. And um, and then on the negative side, I think we also have to look at Ukraine, and for the people who think that the uh, that the phenomenon is here to save us, uh, you can look at the Ukraine and go pretty clearly that's not something they're interested in doing. You know, because we're you know we're standing by and watching this because we have nuclear weapons and because they have nuclear weapons, yeah, and and because we're all addicted to oil. Um, and so those, those two things, our addiction to oil and our fear of nuclear war are forcing all of us NATO allies to basically sit on our hands and, and, and wave a finger at Russia. And, uh, and the, uh, the aliens aren't gonna, aren't gonna stop it. History yet to be written. Well, I mean, on a brighter note, Dave, I, I you know, hopefully there's things we can look forward to. Um, so. While, you know, there there always should be. And we, we hope humans can be resilient enough to do such. But um, in terms of what you're doing, my man, you're, you are helping to legitimize a topic that has been delegitimized for a very long time. By and my um, people. I, by, by, by your by comedians. Load. Yeah, comedians, right. have, I know. comedians have done a huge amount of damage. Yeah. 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 Field. But it's never too late to rebuild. And I think we're on our mm-hmm. way when it comes to this topic. And um, I got to ask before we go, when can we expect to see the kids in the hall and um, everything else you're up to, man, if you don't mind teasing? Well, well the new kids in the hall season, uh, this is how we're referring to it, is season six of the kids in the hall. Uh, it's going to start on Amazon in May. I don't know the exact date, but it's going to be sometime in May. Uh, there's also going to be a South by Southwest in a, nice. just, I guess, just in a matter of days now. Uh, we're going over, going to South by Southwest because they're going to premiere a two-part documentary uh, that's going to be on Amazon as well uh, called, I think it's called Kids in the Hall uh, Comedy Punks. Uh, nice. Yeah, although I like the original title better that Amazon wouldn't go for, which was The Kids in the Hall, Hard to Kill, Um, (laughs) which is a reference to one of our very early sketches where we had a line about a guy, easy to beat up, hard to kill. Um, Right. But yeah, I think it's called Comedy Punks now, and uh, it's a two-part documentary on, uh, on the history of The Kids in the Hall. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Me too. Um, awesome. Dave, well, for before we go, where, is there anywhere people can reach you to chat UFOs or, or just have a, have a good old conversation with you? I guess really just Twitter, I guess, really. I'm, you know, nice. I'm there a lot, you know. Uh, 
But uh, I'm trying to think if there's... Any, no, I guess there's nowhere else, really. Mostly Twitter. I'm on Instagram, but I, I rarely look at it. Um, <laughs> and Facebook, never. I, I, only, I only have Facebook so my Oculus works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling well. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly Facebook has become a, a relic now yeah. in the age of Twitter. Oh, and, and speaking of my Oculus, here's a little th- tip for people out there in like the uh if you're out there in one of them sort of chat areas in virtual reality and you run into someone like me don't say you're old as shit (laughs) (laughs) uh really yeah you know as we get oh man you're old you're old as shit and i go yeah yeah i said well i was pretty honest with my avatar (laughs) you know i wasn't trying to hide it i got my my avatar's got gray hair (laughs) <laughs> so just, you know, uh, have some manners it's gonna be people. so mean i know yeah know. <laughs> well we'll see you in the metaverse that's where we're yes. gonna see you next yeah. yes that's where we're <laughs> heading next, yeah. for yeah. sure yeah we never awesome. get to touch on simulation theory no, right. oh, we didn't go there we'll have yeah. to have you back to talk about it we've All you've right. been more than gracious with your time my man so well, once you. again thank you thank you so much for coming on somewhere in the skies today Thank you. Thank you so much. And, I'm, and again, I continue to enjoy both your work separately. And it's really f- fun to see you guys working together. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Cheers. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.